Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks on the move. I'm Corey Johnson. Today is July 30. This is episode number 64. Well, just ahead, is Chevron turning green? And a novel DNA treatment for kidney disease gains traction with other diseases. And we're going to look at fuel cell giant plug power with our guest, Global X's Andrew Little. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by ERA, a one-stop equity platform where you can seamlessly connect to any earnings call and surface actionable insights automatically. ERA's AI-powered tools will allow you to work faster and smarter. That's ERA, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And as you know, you can listen to The Drill Down on any of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn. I don't know. There's more. But when you do so, would you click the subscribe button, follow us so you can catch every show. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill Down. We explain the business stories behind Stocks in a Move. We also have news. Isaac Webster, our executive producer, is going to give that to us. What are the three important, most important business news stories of the day, Isaac? Uh, let's get right to it with EcoData, the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation measure. I'm talking about core personal consumption expenditures, the price index for that, accelerating in June by the most on an annual basis in almost three decades. Core PCE, which doesn't include food and energy, increased 3.5% year over year in June. Now, all this according to the Bureau of, of Economic Analysis. So core PCE, it's tricky. It, it does include food that's sold to restaurants but it doesn't include the the prices that we pay for food. So those it's it's a tricky not uh, the grocery you know. store prices. Right. And what's right. what's interesting about that is you know this is this is what the Fed says they look at. This is the one uh, the best measure of inflation according to them. I don't know if they're not according to me because I still have to eat food. But right. um uh, I buy food at the grocery store and cook it up for my family and The Fed lives on a different planet than we do, you know. Yes. Yes, they do. Yeah. But uh, this 3.5% uh, inflation gauge is the highest since 1991. Some of our listeners weren't even around the last time inflation was this high. So if this is the one the Fed looks at, this, this is going to have some impact on the Fed's decision making. All right. The next story that we're watching, it's a little political, but it's a, really? good, it's a business story. You're really going we, with this one? We don't like to go into politics here. Yes, you do. Unless it is political. Wait, <laughs> that was that was just a Freudian slip. Yes, it was. Okay. What's the story? Oh my gosh! Okay, the chief executive of My Pillow, who we all know and fill in the blank, is Isn't one it of Chuck Norris. <laughs> no, it's Mike Lindell. Oh, I thought it was Chuck okay. Norris. So my the My Pillow CEO is one of Fox News's biggest advertisers, but maybe not for long. That was a question mark at the end of that phrase. Mike Lindell is said to be pulling his ads from the Fo from Fox after a disagreement over a proposed commercial. 
Lindell said he made the decision after Fox News declined to run a commercial linking his efforts to promote his claims of widespread fraud in the 2020 presidential election. We all, as we all know, the security and election officials have said there is no proof of widespread election fraud. Underline all that. Fox didn't say whether it blocked the ad or not. Mr. Lindell said he wanted to cancel the ads as soon as possible and that he had told his lawyer, his um, told his ad buyer to inform Fox News. Full uh, disclosure, I used to work at Fox News. And you uh, and your pillows, what's your pillow situation? <laughs> they are not my pillow. They are purple, actually. I sleep um, on purple pillows. One of our best interviews. Yeah. <laughs> we should book the. No, we're not going to book. We're this. never. I'm, I do not. No, that's the it's la- not a public that would, company. Is it not? Oh, my pillow is my pillow is private. Yes. Is it? I don't really know anything about this except his crazy commercials. No offense. I mean that in a kind of respect. Well, we will. We will see. Uh, we will see less of them. Yeah, it's hard to have respect for someone that hates people that are like you, like me. All right, next story. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. Another round in the fight between actress Scarlett Johansson and Walt Disney. Yesterday, we talked about Johansson filing a lawsuit against Disney, alleging her contract was breached when the company decided to put Black Widow on its Disney Plus streaming service at the same time it was released in movie theaters. You may remember Johansson, part of Johansson's uh, paycheck comes from box office receipts or, or tied to box office numbers. Now, Disney said the suit, the Johansson suit had, quote, no merit and called it, quote, especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has kept so many movie theaters closed and attendance light in the theaters that are open. Now, Disney also said that Ms. Johansson had been paid $20 million for Black Widow already and has the ability to earn more. Now, Johansson's agency, the powerful CAA, Creative Artists Agency, has also issued a statement defending Johansson, saying, quote, they, Disney, have shamelessly and falsely accused Ms. Johansson of being insensitive to the global COVID pandemic. And that was from CAA co-chairman Brian Lord, who is a very, very big, uh, influential player in LA. So the story is not over. Well, it's not over because so many other uh, artists or performers, I should say, actors, have in their deal, directors for that matter, have in their deals percentage of box office. Yeah. And so if the if the studios are going to not put stuff out in the in the box office only, they're going to hurt the earnings of their their uh, partners and those partners want to get paid. Well, and there's already backlash happening to the way to this statement from Disney about Johansson's lawsuit. There are rumblings yeah, that a number of be. there are there are a number of their actors um that are being reported uh are considering similar lawsuits against Disney because of the way Disney responded to the lawsuit. So TBD, TBD. Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? Let's look at Caterpillar. Caterpillar, CAT, C-A-T shares fell almost 3% today, but they've risen more than 50% a year. What's new with CAT? All right, so CAT's got a uh, earnings report out uh, for the quarter. They had a very strong quarter, $12.9 billion in sales. That's up 29% over the previous year. Operating margins a lot better than a year ago, 13.9%. That's up about 6% over the previous year. And profits up about 200%. So they had a very strong quarter, whatever, really interesting company. But I was blown away. Sorry, I ran the bite. Um, I was blown away by 
their autonomous business. So, you know, Tesla has been talking about fully autonomous self-driving cars, which is a fantasy, which they're nowhere near doing. And, you know, there's, there's great hurdles to that. But Caterpillar's out there with autonomous, like, haulers and dozers and mining equipment. They've got this mining equipment that is two and a half stories tall, the size of a 3,000 square foot house, cruising down these these mines with nobody in them. Uh, wow. It's it's unbelievable. I put up a YouTube uh, video on uh, on my Twitter, uh, at Corey TV. You can check that out. Um, but it is just amazing to see these things. This isn't a fantasy. These things are deployed. They are working. Listen to CEO James Umpleby. You mentioned autonomy and, and you know, the, the, the demand for autonomous products continues to be quite strong. Uh, a lot of quotation activity going on. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we currently are deploying uh, autonomous mining equipment at 18 different sites, 10 customers, three continents for a whole variety of commodities, iron ore, copper, oil sands, gold, coal mines. And so, again, we, we believe that will continue to grow at, at, a, at, a, at a rapid pace. We're also expanding our autonomous solutions to other support equipment like dozers, drills, underground uh, equipment, and, and water trucks as well. So, you know, the Iron Giant cartoon with what robots might look like in the future, you know, what they look like are Caterpillar giant mining equipment. Uh, just an amazing, amazing uh, sight to see. Did he say water trucks? Yeah. What water does that mean? That they, they, uh, mines can create lots and lots of dust. Uh-huh. So they run these water trucks to basically just keep the, the dust down. Oh, okay. Um, yep. I've seen pictures of those. They spray yeah, well, them pop, down. Yeah. And, you, yeah they, and, and they run these mining sites just to keep the dust down and, and, uh, and keep the, the bad stuff out of the air because uh, it can get pretty serious. But these things are just, just a wonder to see. And it's fascinating to me that these guys are out there with this uh, very, very high tech, you know, I used to host this technology show and, you know, uh, down the street here and covered technology for years. And we never looked at Caterpillar as a technology company. 100% should. Yeah. Well, you know, it's competitor, John Deere. They have been, we've been talking about this since our former days at Bloomberg, you know, using satellites to control, to steer and control their tractors. Combines and so on. Yeah, Combines, yeah, right. So the automation happens in the farm. It's very interesting. Corey, what is your next drill down? Let's look at Chevron. Chevron. Chevron trades under the ticker CVX, for those of us unfamiliar, uh, with the massive oil company. Shares closed slightly lower today, but they've gained 18% in a year. What's new with Chevron? Another quarterly report, earnings report, very interesting earnings report. Uh, this company is doing very well. Um, their earnings uh, went from a loss of, well, their earnings, their loss the same quarter a year ago was $8.3 billion dollars. This time they made $3.1 billion. The revenues hmm. went from 13 or we'll $14 billion a year ago in the second quarter. They just did $38 billion. So the, the, the brief global recession hit these guys really hard, but they're back and they're doing quite well and they're profitable. They made some acquisitions, uh, uh, Noble Gas uh, in particular. Um, they also have gotten rid of some stuff that they didn't like. In particular, they've gotten rid of some things um, that may have had a higher carbon footprint. That might seem ironic. But in fact, uh, what I thought was most interesting about the Chevron um, conference call, at least to me, was really how much pre how much these guys have done um, in terms of uh, going after goals about re reducing the, uh, imp the impact that they have on the environment and even surpassing those goals. 
Listen to their executive vice president, Jim Johnson, from this morning's conference call about the things that they are doing at Chevron. What we've been able to find so far is that the projects have been relatively low-hanging fruit. And so we've seen these big reductions in carbon that's occurred since 2016. And in fact, we reached our 2013 target, or sorry, 2023 targets in 2020, three years ahead of schedule. And so we've already set new targets for 2028, and that's the path that we're working towards now, and that's to get down to an average of 24 kilograms of CO2 per barrel equivalent uh, across the entire portfolio. Places like the uh, DJ Basin, where some of the Noble teams have done a great job of designing out the parts of the process that have the highest emissions have resulted in those huge gains. And so, as we said, not only are we seeing a 15 to 20% lower life cycle cost, we're seeing high reliability, a 60% footprint reduction, and they're down in the six kilogram per CO2 uh, per barrel equivalent range, which is tremendous. I just think that's so fascinating. These guys, you know, they, they said that, that their carbon footprint is half that per barrel of the industry standard. So I think it's interesting that they, they measure this based on how much oil or gas that comes out of the ground. Obviously, gas is not kept in barrels, but the, the term barrel equivalent is the kind of common um, phrase there. But that's really how they're measuring their success in polluting less. And it makes me wonder about these sort of green funds that are avoiding big oil when, in fact, this big oil company, one of the biggest of them all, is actually working really hard at reducing their carbon footprint uh, in oil and gas, uh, even as they pump oil and gas. This story is really interesting to me, especially in light of what's going on with Exxon and Royal Dutch Shell. Yeah, Exxon, a very different kind of company and yeah. a very different approach. And yeah. uh, I, I have to say I'm, I'm frustrated because these guys always report at the same time. I'm frustrated by the business journalism around these companies. Because right. they, yeah. they have, do they have similarities? Absolutely. But they are completely very different. different companies, completely yeah. different corporate cultures, um, different level of success, different legacies, writers, and the writers who write these things. And I'm sure it's their editor's fault, but you know the writers who write these things put both companies in the same story when they're so very, very different. Corey, what is your next drill down? I want to look at Care DX. Care DX. I've never heard of this company. Care DX trades under the ticker CDNA. Shares fell four percent today but they've gained 152% over the past 12 months. So tell me about KRDX. What should I know? tell you a story. All right. I like stories. So my oldest son says yeah. to me a couple of years, years ago, says, how, is, how can I make a lot of money in the stock market quickly? Uh -huh. Like, you can't. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not how investing works. But I will teach you how to invest in a stock. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put some money in the stock. Let's call it, you know, I'll put two grand or something in the stock. I put a lot more in it ultimately. But I said, I'll put two grand in. And whatever profits there are, you can have. If there's losses, I'll eat them. But I need your help with the research. So every week, I'm going to give you a couple of questions. You come back to me with, a, with, with a, an answers to those questions. We'll look it over. I'll tell you how to find the answers. And we'll do this research together. I was really trying to teach them how stock research works. And we worked on CareDX, CDNA. I don't own the stock currently, nor am I sure I don't have any position in the stock. But we worked on CDNA. The stock was trading at about 8 bucks, And... It's, it, this company is a very interesting company. They have a, a diagnostic test that uses, uh, uh, basically uses someone's blood, but tests their DNA to see if a kidney transplant is being rejected. Now, the state of the art at that point in time was 
a biopsy. So if you are so sick, you need a new kidney and you're lucky enough to find a kidney donor and then you survive the surgery and the transplant, the way the doctors would see if the transplant was getting rejected was a biopsy. They'd stick a big long needle into your kidney, yank out some cells, run them through a test, and they do repeatedly every month or every few weeks or so. Ugh. And that so think of the how Ouch. difficult that is on someone who's already barely making it. Well, right. this DNA test, very uh, high concept, a new, you know, it's a, it's a DNA solution. These things didn't couldn't exist in the past. Mm-hmm. This DNA test uh, is just as efficacious, if not more so, a lot easier on the patient. And now they've taken this thing. So we we get in the stock. We run the stock from eight to to thirty. I think we're geniuses. We get out with well, the getting's good. Well, now they've expanded indications into heart. And they've expanded indications into lung. And the stock has gone from eight to 30. Yeah, a lot of fun for, for me and, and my son. It goes all the way to 80. It's well above 80 now today. Um, we missed out on a real, on just a real home run there. Um, that seems like my, a, re- a, co- a re- recurring theme for you. Yes, getting out too early, you think? <laughs> well, uh, my son got out and, and took his profits and bought a, a gaming computer for his house. And that's, that's, that's uh, well, I think it's the last we saw him. So he went up to his room about three years ago and haven't <laughs> yeah. seen him since. See ya. Uh, but uh, what's interesting to me is how this company continues to expand their business, yeah. really looking at, okay, we've got this kidney solution that's going to be effective. Maybe we'll capture all the market at some point in time. But what else? So they're they're buying all these businesses and growing all these businesses around kidney transplants, of which are only about 17,000 a year. And they're also looking at heart and even lung uh, expansion of what they're into. Uh, so I want you to hear what the, the CEO, uh, Reginald Cito, had to say about expanding today, talking about expanding beyond kidney into heart and into lung. And I'll tell you my suggestion for this company which may be in poor taste, but I'll tell you that after this soundbite. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you've seen the Venn diagram, you know, if you cover all the kidney um, centers, the, the 220 plus, and you pretty much cover um, everything that's above and below the diaphragm. And I think, you know, for us, it's, you know, you don't have to expand or go into different centers as a result of that. What I can say is that having this pan-organ approach is something that's really special. Um, I've been out in the field the last couple of months, and, and you know, at each of these different you know, center meetings I attend, that they are pan-organ experiences. So I do think there's an increasing recognition, particularly as we now bring um, lung, we have the above diaphragm, the, the heart-lung sort of story, as well as the below diaphragm, which is kidney and liver. And I think I think of those two ways, but certainly there's um, existing, you know, synergies and efficiencies because it's already present in above and below diaphragm. And so it makes it a very high-efficient way to deploy our team. But more importantly, we just has such a strong presence and the offerings that we have allow for that cross portfolio usage, whether it's, you know, the otter, whether it's the trans chart, whether it's the allocare, whether it's, you know, the waitlist management, whether it's, um, you know, other offerings that we have in, in development as well. So interesting that they're expanding beyond that. I thought one way, cause there's only 17,000 kidney transplants a year in the United States. Cause there's only 17,000 kidneys available uh, mm. for transplant. So my thinking was they could advertise to get more people to ride motorcycles because <laughs> then there'd be more organ, organ donors because motorcycle drivers are just asking for it. There'd be more organ donors and then there'd be more kidney transplants. This could be a happy story. I hope our former colleague Matt Miller is not listening to this 
I hope he is. He should not get back on the motorcycle. Yes. In any case, was that in bad taste? Yeah, it was. That was very okay. bad taste. I'm a terrible person. You know, he's a great know, person. We already knew that, though. <laughs> Global X is Andrew Little. Great I person. Yeah. He helped us take a really deep dive into Plug of Power, one of our uh, the companies we've featured the CEO in the past. You'll hear from that CEO, and you'll hear from Andrew Little uh, and his take on why uh, Plug Power is poised to do even better than it's already doing. But first. The Drill Down is brought to you by ERA. ERA's event access and monitoring intelligence platform improves earnings season and the investor events in between through comprehensive calendar tracking, one-click event access, dynamic monitors, multicasting, and more. Powered by an advanced language processing engine, which consumes some 40,000 investor events annually across 10,000 global equities. Learn more at ERA, A-I-E-R-A, dot com. And remember to join the drill down on Twitter and Instagram at drilldownpod. And check out our website, bizpod.net. Let us know what stocks we should be drilling down on. Okay, welcome back to the drill down. We're joined right now by Global X's Andrew Little about Plug Power, a company we know well. Of course, we had the CEO on the Drill Down podcast just recently. Um, Andrew, uh, thank you for joining us in the Drill Down. Talk to me about Plug Power. Tell us what Plug Power does, how they make money. Well, Thanks so they much don't make money, but go on. How, how they will make money. And, you know, I, we do have conviction in that. And, I, and I'll get to, to, to our overall idea around hydrogen and Plug Power as, as a company. Uh, first, uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, and my name is Andrew Little. Uh, thematic research analyst at, at Global X. Uh, just a little bit of background in terms of why I am covering hydrogen, why I'm here today. Uh, historical involvement in sustainable investing, a recent switch over to thematic investing in the past two years uh, with my time at Global X. And uh, now just recently, we at Global X just launched uh, the Global X hydrogen ETF. Uh, so really good timing uh, to come on and talk about plug power. Also just published some research on the uh, the use of hydrogen and green hydrogen moving forward. Uh, but really when it comes down to plug power and what their uh, story is and why they're important, it's they're uh, really approaching the transition to uh, green hydrogen uh, from end to end. Hydrogen is an immensely important part of decarbonization efforts around the world. Um, and right now, as, as countries and companies uh, strive to more, move toward uh, cleaner fuel and cleaner uh, different operations, even in the industrial uh, space hydrogen is just one of those uh, one, one of those fuels that really will be able to drive decarbonization um, beyond traditional renewable uh, energy. Just well, based let's, off of let's, what, yeah, let's take it back to say even even back to kind yeah. of basic chemistry. Where is the hydrogen coming from? Yeah, and why is that a resource that can now be exploited but it couldn't in the past? So hydrogen's been around for for a while. Pr uh, previously produced using natural gas. Um, that type of hydrogen typically used as uh, an input for industrial feedstock um, or for a number of other purposes. But now there's this transition toward uh, renewable green hydrogen, where hydrogen is separated out of water molecules. Uh, hydrogen can't be found alone on, um, on Earth. Uh, so it's separated away out of water molecules using uh, electrolysis, uh, which is a, a process done in what a device called an electrolyzer, which is uh, has in the past been extremely expensive, but the prices are uh, starting to go down significantly, uh, especially as they're being powered by renewable energy, which gives them that uh, emission-free energy potential. Plug Power has a history of being involved in uh, the distribution of hydrogen, uh, the use of hydrogen for some of those previous use cases, uh, and now is at the forefront of really 
driving hydrogen production using uh, green hydrogen methods. So real, uh, really a, a new technology that makes this, this obvious thing we all learned about when we learned the periodic table, but making it a, 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 a available in ways uh, that it wasn't and, and, and helping the earth in that, or at least I'm not so hippie about it. I'm not a hippie. We don't care. Helping the earth, whatever. Uh, it, cre- it creates a way for companies to give le- uh, less of a carbon footprint, which lots of companies are seeking to do. Exactly. In order to do that for, for the, uh, I'd say the, the sustainability aspect of it, but also from just the directive, uh, the, the movement from, from, from governments around the world um, and the need for this um, overall when it comes to eventually what will be more affordable energy. Right now we see renewable energy uh, is, is uh, in, increasingly affordable uh, and available. It's now 29% of the overall uh, power mix in the world, but just 11% of the energy mix, around maybe a little more than 11% now. That was 2019. Um, but as a part of that, it means you need to be able to get electricity to places that are right now, you know, using fossil fuels um, on site to create energy. Hydrogen, you can uh, store it in tanks, bring it to these locations, and then use fuel cells, uh, which uh, plug power, again, they're end to end. So they also provide fuel cells uh, to, to turn that into energy uh, it, it, without needing a, a battery in, in, in a traditional sense. So, all right. So that all sounds cute. What makes us think plug power is going to be successful at this? Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the uh, a, a nice excerpt from their, their recent earnings call uh, the, for the earnings period that ended in March, the, the call was on June 22nd. Uh, they were talking about how many, uh, many of those involved in hydrogen right now um, are not, you know, well positioned based off of them having to retire billions, billions of dollars worth of, of assets that are geared around fossil fuels. Plug Power has that distribution. Let me let me, let me take that apart. Yeah. Uh, billions of dollars assets. There's a bunch of uh, forklifts around the world that power powered on gas, right? Those yeah. are the assets you're referring to. Uh, I would say yes. Uh, that those are definitely a part of it in terms of the overall infrastructure. Uh, but it's also a, uh, it also has to do with just the general you know people that rely on. Uh, or companies that rely on producing hydrogen using natural gas rather than being tr- uh, positioned well uh, to use electrolyzers moving forward. Because Plug Power um, has relied on third-party partners in the natural gas space to help them create hydrogen in the past. They're not going to have to do that moving forward uh, because they're going to be able to use renewable power uh, through electrolysis in these electrolyzers that they're providing uh, in order to separate hydrogen, different than those companies that, uh, you know, on a broader infrastructure level, um, would have to, to retire those or transition them to, to be more suited for green hydrogen. So, so and as they try to grow out this business, because the interview we had with CEO Andy March, he was um, obviously super bullish. I mean, not obviously, not every CEO is super bullish about their company, but he really was kind of banging the table on, on what they're doing and how they're growing and where they're growing, um, sort of suggesting that they're about to change, that, that they're about to really hit a, a different level of this growth. Yeah, I think the... It's really about the way they've approached or kind of the way their opportunities have shifted in the past year. Uh, going into 2020, exclusively almost a, a U.S. company, a company based, uh, deriving most of its opportunities from the United States. Uh, but now we're seeing that around the world, based off of decarbonization plans uh, that we, we, we're seeing in Asia and in, in, in Europe as well, uh, the need for hydrogen is, is, is everywhere. And, and now right now their opportunities are uh, with car companies in, in Europe and Asia. Uh, there were uh, multiple partnerships announced in the past year uh, around uh, building out uh, uh, fuel cell electric vehicle uh, fleets 
that were, would be powered by plug power um, fuel cells. Um, those companies being Renault and also uh, uh, H or, or SK in, 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 right. in Asia as well. Um, billions of dollars of, of potential plans to, 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 to build those out. And that wasn't there before. I think it was around, uh, I think it's 80% or so of their, their current uh, pipeline, new pipeline is based on international um, opportunities. Yeah, I guess the, you know, the, the recovering short seller in me, my antenna went up when I looked at this company and saw, well, geez, they're, most of the revenue they're supposed to get are from customers that they've signed agreements with but don't have any revenues. And, and I want to mention this, you know, they didn't have their financial filings straight until a few, really a few weeks ago, a few really a month or so ago, I should say, probably two months ago, when they, uh, they had to refile some of their old statements with some internal control problems and accounting problems. That's out of their way, I guess, but never a good sign. Yeah, definitely not something you, you, you want to see, but I think they remediated it in, in, in good time. We're very transparent throughout that process. Um, and right now, you know, I think there is, of course, uh, uh, the inner short seller and everyone wants to say, hey, what, what's going on with a company that, you know, doesn't have the, it's being essentially value based off of revenues that aren't there yet. Um, and I just think based off of their end to end positioning for the transition to green hydrogen, the fact there aren't many others doing exactly what they're doing. Uh, we also having previous experience in the hydrogen industry uh, and the fact that around the world, we I think we saw last year around, according to the Hydrogen Council uh, and, and McKinsey, they did a, a sponsored report recently, uh, it was around $80 billion um, of, of either uh, committed or, or, plan, or commitments or, or, or tentative commitments from governments when it came to hydrogen uh, and hundreds of billions, including the private sector. Based off of those that are that are currently involved in in in, in hydrogen, I, I I would say that Plug Power is positioned to capitalize on those opportunities, uh, just in that they really are touching all of this and and fuel cell electric vehicles um, and other use cases of of hydrogen uh, are increasingly showing uh, that they are not only competitive or will be competitive in the near future, but offer their own advantages. Yeah, um, you know, when we talked to Andy Marsh just a few weeks ago, here's here's what he had to say about that network effect. Well, let me start out by saying that uh, we're the Amazon of hydrogen fuel cells. I'm focused on building out the first green hydrogen network across the United States. Uh, we're going to add as much liquid hydrogen to the United States as all my competitors have at the moment of natural gas generated hydrogen. By 2024, we're projecting this company will do $1.7 billion in revenue. Uh, we'll have EBITDA over $250 million and OI in the range of $200 million plus. So, uh, you know, during that journey, that's when we'll be there. Uh, but we're spending that money to build out products that no one else in the industry has. So interesting take there. Yeah. You know, I think that that's just the, the idea of, 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 scale and, and synergy driven scale um, in that you will see, you know, the, the, the increasing need for hydrogen um, as an input uh, drive the adoption of, you know, more sustainable and possibly affordable techniques for producing hydrogen, which then drives the adoption of the fuel cells that, are, that hydrogen goes into, which then of course then creates kind of a chicken or the egg situation in terms of, in terms of driving scale. I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great, um, quote, and I think it's, it's one that really speaks to 
the, how renewables, you know, I don't even think I, inside of just, this is exclusive to hydrogen. It's exactly what we saw with electric vehicles uh, about a decade ago in terms of, of, of di uh, the uh, different dynamics between, you know, batteries, renewable electricity, uh, electrification, driving electric vehicles, making them more affordable. Um, and then also, you know, doing the same thing for the actual sources and, and, and power generation behind the, the electric vehicles as well. Well, and there's and there's the network, right? The network of charging stations that, you know, Tesla did some heavy lifting on. A lot of governments did some heavy lifting on. A lot of, you know, a lot of government incentives went into building these charging stations. It has created a network infrastructure that now other car makers will use when it comes to electric cars. It seems that Plug Power's goal, at least, is to create a real network so that they can supply the world with the fuel cells to be to take advantage of this hydrogen. Absolutely, the the the, the network effect is is uh, there's so much potential in it right now. When you look at the deployments of hydrogen fueling stations around the world, um, I think the last time we we checked, it was around 550 fueling stations globally, which um, isn't isn't that many uh, for 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 fuel cell electric vehicles. Um, and so the, the opportunity here and the, and the, the plans moving forward that Plug Power has to build these out, um, I think is just a great opportunity for them, for other, others in the space, um, and also just for them to, to kind of flex the, 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 the distribution and delivery uh, infrastructure that they've already kind of uh, established uh, for past uses of, of hydrogen. But I, I really do think that that will uh, drive, you know, their, 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 their fledgling hydrogen production segment uh, drive further use of their fuel cells. Um, it just really is a great story of end-to-end of, of -end exposure to, to hydrogen, which has a theme, you know, I think the, the, the most recent estimate is a $10 trillion market by, by 2050. Yeah, I never believe those estimates. <laughs> Anyone starts talking TAM to me, I think they're full of baloney. But, uh, you know, you mentioned that this is good for this company and others in the space. I mean, is this a, a, a situation where plug power has already got kind of a head start where they might actually capture most of, if not all of the market for this, this hydrogen fuel cell business, because they've already got their, their feet in the ground in so many places with Renault, with SK and in the US? I would say it definitely puts them at a, at a, at a, at a competitive advantage. I think there are many others involved in different aspects of the hydrogen value chain that also have, uh, that also offer differentiated products, uh, whether that would be, you know, unique uh, stationary, uh, fuel cell technology, which Plug Power does offer, or is in the process of researching to roll out. A lot of this um, is still in 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 the early stages uh, for for most companies in in in, in multiple uh, segments of hydrogen. Uh, but uh, you know, I think that for for Plug, it is the the, the network that benefits them. Uh, that's not to say that other uh, providers of different aspects of technology across that value chain won't have success um, as well. Our our Global X Hydrogen uh, ETF, we have. Uh, tw uh, I believe it's almost 30 names at this point that are within that fund, all with pure exposure, pure play being 50% or more revenue exposure to uh, hydrogen sub-themes. Uh, and all of those, you know, I, I, not to speak on the, their exact uh, positioning because it is a passive uh, fund that captures them, but all of those do have uh, pure revenue exposure to the value chain in the same way as Plug. Interesting stuff. Well, um, as certainly there's a company that's got a lot of... Uh, uh promise, or at least has made a lot of promises. Uh, if they make good, it'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, Global X is Andrew Little with Plug Power. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. All right, coming up next on the Drill Down, the Drill Down Bite, one number about Plug Power that will tell you a whole lot. 
when the drill down continues. The drill down is brought to you by Era, a one-stop equity platform where you can seamlessly connect to any earnings call and surface actionable insights automatically. Era's AI-powered tools will allow you to work faster and smarter. That's Era, A-I-E-R-A.com. And we hope you can listen to the podcast anywhere you are. Maybe it's on your phone, maybe it's on your computer. Also look at your smart speaker and say, hey, smart speaker, play the Drill Down podcast. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, thispod.net. All right, we're back with the Drill Down Bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. Obviously, we are talking about plug power. We talked about the investment from SK Group. The dollar amount of the investment, Isaac, says to me that this is a real deal because SK Group put some real money into plug power. They took a $1.6 billion capital investment into plug power. There's your number. There's your bite. $1.6 billion into plug power. That, I think, really shows that they have uh, definitely placed their bets on plug power. You know, maybe millions, maybe tens of millions don't mean anything to SK Group. $1.6 billion means something to any company, including yeah, SK that's, Group. That's not small. All right, you've been listening to The Drill Down. We appreciate your time. I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster is our executive producer. Ben Wilson, our editor extraordinaire. The Drill Down is a production of the Business Podcast Network.